to you by Barfoot and Thompson. On the show today, we welcome the fabulous Matt from Agency X to talk all things social media, neurodiversity in education, plus we're going to talk about what it's like being a young person living in Auckland and trying to get on the market or not. Welcome to Property Matters. Another Monday has rocked on by. We're already nearly at the end of June. It's just flying through. Great to have you here and welcome to the show, Matt. Great to have you in studio. Kia ora. Thank you for having me. Wonderful to have you here. Now, before I jump to you, I'm just going to share a few media releases that have come in from our friends at the New Zealand Property Investors Federation. Some highlights that they've seen pop up over the last week and a couple that have caught our attention. First one being that the Tenancy Tribunal recently ruled Kayanga Ora Homes and Communities must pay an Auckland tenant $3,000 for ongoing breaches of her quiet enjoyment of her premises. It's the second time in just over a year the government agency has been directed to pay damages to the same tenant. The tenant has been a client of Kaunga Ora for 25 years, but her problems began in 2019 with the arrival of a disorderly neighbour in the North Shore suburb of North Cross. The case first ended up in the Tenancy Tribunal in April 22 where it was ruled the agency had failed to take all reasonable steps to stop the neighbour's disruptive behaviour and the tenant was awarded $5,000. Now they had accepted the findings and acknowledged the stress that this caused the tenant. However, it happened again. The unruly neighbour has now agreed to voluntary relocate for the third time after reneging on two previous occasions. Hmm, interesting one there. That follows on from a landlord that ended up in Tenancy Tribunal after failing to sort out an ongoing feud between two neighbourly neighbouring tenants, sorry, one of whom claimed she was the target of ongoing harassment for several years. The unhappy tenant claimed her door was booted in, her car was damaged and a recycling bin thrown at her and her children were nearly hit when the neighbours sped down the driveway that they shared. She said the problems with her neighbour had been going on for several years and she'd made multiple complaints to the police and her landlord about it. Frustrated at what she believed was a lack of action, the woman who has named suppression took her landlord to the Tenancy Tribunal claiming they hadn't done enough to address the ongoing problem. The tribunal adjudicator, Tracy Lee Lewis, has ordered the landlord to compensate the woman for the distress she felt at the hands of the neighbour. So a timely reminder, the Tenancy Tribunal is there for tenants just as much as for landlords. So make sure you check out details at tenancy.govt.nz. Now, ASB latest housing confidence survey for the three months to April has shown a net 34% of respondents expected house prices to continue to fall over the next 12 months, Continued, so, sorry, compared with a net 43% in the prior quarter. In a statement, ASB economist Nathaniel Kale said confidence increased but remained very low, with Aucklanders, surprisingly, the most confident surprised on that one, but we'll see where that conversation goes shortly with our friend Matt here in the student. But according to Kiwi Bank, interest rate cuts will start in about nine months. Although it is incredibly difficult to pick the timing of future rate cuts, the bank's best guess is February next year. Kiwi Bank Chief Economist Jared Kerr believes wholesale rates and all lending rates, including mortgage rates, have 
peaked? Let's find out. Anyway, that's the news headlines brought to you from the New Zealand Property Investors Federation. Thank you very much. Well, I'm delighted to be joined today by a good friend and colleague, the wonderful Matt Billington from Agency X, and we're going to chat a whole range of things. Matt, um, so great to have you here. Thank you. First of all, let's start with Agency X. What is it? Who is it? What do you do? Yeah, so uh, Agency X was a brainchild of kind of what I created a few years ago. Um, So I've sort of been in the startup space for the last eight or nine years, uh, working with startups all across the world, um, helping them with their brand, social, marketing, technology, all of that sort of fun stuff. And uh, a couple of years ago, decided I was ready to go out on my own and stop freelancing and actually start to build something. And um, centered around this idea of, of generating as much impact as I possibly can. So everybody talks about l- legacy or stewardship or whatever all of those big terms mean. And to me, it was really simple. It was I wanted to impact as many people's lives as I possibly could doing good. Mm-hmm. Um, so we started Agency X with this kind of mantra of do the thing that lights your heart on fire, do the thing that really excites you where you can generate the most impact. And for us, it was working with high-impact brands to say, how can we elevate your voice, elevate the work you're doing, and ensure that everyone around knows what you're doing and and, and that sort of thing. So we started about two and a half years ago and since have sort of worked with, I don't know, upwards of 50 companies all around the world, um, really helping them identify what that impact is that they're generating and then amplifying that out um, to the masses. All right, so break that down, and, and that sort of includes brand, marketing, and tech? Yep, yep. so we kind of sit across those three spheres. Um, from a branding point of view, we have worked with a lot of brands from kind of ideation and concept, simple things like logo design, colour, typography. Um, we've done a few rebrands with businesses. Um, again, really trying to help them identify what is it that you're doing, what's the impact you're creating, and how can we build the brand around that? Um, then we look at marketing, which is probably where most of our work sits, at, especially at the moment, um, which is mainly across that social, digital, comms, PR space. So amplifying digitally, um, we don't do as much out-of-home stuff anymore, like billboards and such, mm-hmm. um, but a lot of that digital marketing, Google, Facebook, all of that sort of fun stuff. And then from a technology point of view, um, helping companies, whether it's a simple website design and build or whether it's more complex system infrastructure and helping them understand how to connect better with their customers and build a, build a um, better customer experience. And that's sort of how I sum up everything we do is it mm-hmm. kind of sits across two spheres, which is either building better customer experience or building better employee experience. So how do we make the life of an of employee easier by automating tasks or taking work off their off their back so we can do that okay. and they can focus on what they want to do or enhancing the customer experience. So if a brand new startup comes to you, what's the sort of things you're doing to help them get their brand out there first and foremost? No one's heard of them. They're brand new, but they've got a great idea. Yeah, first thing we would do is look at brand. So looking at, at the real tangibles, how do we want people to feel? What's the emotion we want to evict? Um, what is that kind of key pillars, key messaging, all of that sort of boring stuff, but it's really, <laughs> really important to the brand. Once we've got that, then it, then then we're taking them on online. Where where do we need to be? What platforms do we need to be on? What's the messaging we're trying to get across? Um, building some of those core foundational pillars, um, education, promotion, kind of those core basics, um, and then really just yeah, amplifying them out to the world. So working with them, depending on budget sizing, we work with companies that have sort of upwards of. 
thirty, forty thousand dollars a month in spend, and companies that have negative dollars in spend sometimes, right. like they've yeah, literally yeah, got yeah. nothing. Yeah. Um, and so we kind of work across all spheres and kind of work within budgets of what people have to invest. But yeah, brilliant. You mentioned the social worlds. You know, mm. I'm a little bit older than you. Um, <laughs> Only a couple of years. <laughs> Where is the social space these days? I mean, you know, obviously we've we've had the Facebook era. Now it's there's Instagram, there's TikTok, there's so many other platforms. Where do you see the best? I guess bang for your buck, almost not necessarily even in dollars, but in time investment yeah. these days. Yeah, from a, from a time investment point of view, like I think the way the space is developing is people can see through the fog now. They can see right. when you're lying, when you're, you know, exaggerating the truth. Like people can see through a lot of that now because there is so much content out there. And that's the other issue. There is so yeah. much content, you know. Like a, a fun fact I always try to tell clients is what we call organic content, so content that you're not putting any paid spend behind. You're just sharing it on your Facebook page or your right. Instagram page. Um, there was a report done by Meta a, a wee while ago that said, you know, with no spend behind it, you're lucky to reach 4% of your audience. It kind of hovers wow. somewhere between 2 and 4%. So if you've got 100 followers, three or four of them are going to see it. Um, so what's really important in today's age is not just blasting content everywhere and anywhere and any types for the sake of it, but really identifying who is it that you want in your community. So I always talk about community, mm. right? We're not just building a following. We want to build an engaged community. Who are you trying to capture in that community? And then tell really authentic stories. Be vulnerable. Connect Mm. with them. Don't just talk to them. Talk with them. Encourage their collaboration. Encourage them to get involved. um, And build really authentic relationships. Do it as if you were in a room. You know, everybody hates going to networking events, but we've all been to them. Yep. Do it the same way. When you go to a networking event, you're forced to talk to 50, 60 Mm. people, however many it is, and you're building friendships there and then. Do the same thing but online. Don't just talk. You know, the biggest one I can say is don't just talk at people. Talk with people. Encourage them to get involved. Mm. So how do we do that? Is that posing good questions, good debates? Uh, There's a lot. Like, you have to be an expert at some stage, and Mm -hmm. you have to um, share that you are an expert in that specific field. But being vulnerable and sharing your journey, where you've you've come from, where you're going, all of that sort of stuff, people love that real-world story stuff. Um... Not not just always going out there and going, bang, promotion, we're selling this, save this money, yeah. sell that. Yeah. You know, like it, it, you've got to go now on, on social and digital and, and all forms of marketing, you've got to go beyond just selling a product um, or a service or whatever it is and really let people know, hey, hey, I understand the problems you're facing or the issues you've got or whatever it is. I've been there. This is what we – this is mm. not even how we solve it but more – this is where we want to get you. How how we solve that issue doesn't really matter as long as the issue gets solved, right? Yeah. Uh, plumber doesn't come in and tell you, I'm going to lay this type of cable and pipe and then I'm going to – he just goes, this is where we're going to end up. Mm. It's going to be working. Mm. Um, and, and taking people on that emotional journey, you know. As I said before, that, that emotion stuff is really important at the moment in today's age. Um, if it's not there, you're not building that deep enough connection with others. So – Follow that and really tap into that and understand where your community is going to be at every stage of their journey and what emotion they need from you in order to stay engaged and stay connected. Where do you see social media going? Like is Facebook now sort of at its peak of all it will become and there's something else coming because we've got Instagram and what's next or is it just a recreation of the existing? Um, Really tricky question. Mm. I think it's evolving 
faster than we know. I tricky question. Personally, I don't see anything revolutionary coming anytime soon. Right. I think it will be more of the same, but in different formats. Um, you know, we can see Twitter. I think I read something the other day. They're looking at um, producing more video-based content, which is kind of starting to play in that TikTok field. Mm. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see more of a um, TikTok effect yeah. uh, happening yeah. across all platforms, which we are. You know, video content is performing, Definitely. outperforming static content every day of the week. Um, but I think we see more of that, and I think we see more of what we see um, overseas a lot, where people are building one-stop shops. Right, I don't want sixty different apps on my phone anymore. No, I just want one that does everything. Yeah. So if somebody's going to come out and go, oh, we've got a new social app, if that incorporates all aspects of what I like, I want to yeah. be able to connect with my family and friends on Facebook. I want to be able to share videos and have you know a photo diary on Instagram. I I want funny videos and whatnot on TikTok and Twitter. And if you can combine the best mm. of all of these things, I think you're going to dominate. I think that's the general sense I'm seeing with a lot of companies we work with is. They're starting to realise that people are getting sick of having systems or experiences or everything all over the place, right? We see it with streaming services. I read an article the other day that um, they're all starting to have early stage discussion of, you know, what does it look like to just have one that has all of the content there mm. rather than having a hundred everywhere. Um, not great for Mr. Monopoly Man at the top of the funnel who, yeah. want, who wants everyone across everywhere, but people want convenience. You know, we live in a world where there is so much choice and there are so many options around us to do everything. People are looking for convenience. What's easy, what's simple, what's in front of me, what does exactly what I need, I'm happy. Where does Twitter sit in a New Zealand market? Because it's huge in the UK, but it just has never really, I don't believe, taken off here. We had that little stint a few years ago, and it kind of died its death. Twitter's really hard. Um, My advice for people with Twitter is Twitter only works if you're extremely niche down. And you're very clear on what it is that you talk right. about or what you're the expert in. It's very hard to be a personality on Twitter where you can cover lots of stuff. You see most of those coming from the US political sphere or the US high business or whatever it is. But um, to do Twitter really well, you've really got to, I mean, to do social well even, mm. you've really got to be very clear on what it is you do and what you don't do. And don't play in that space. Just do the thing that you mm. do um, and be known as the page or the account to follow in that area yeah right? yeah so a company like yours do you look after that for a client and just you know do the post do the videos do whatever and place it where you believe that message is best suited to yes so we um kind of have two models um the one that we typically work with with clients is you know we'll kick off and do a 90 minute discovery session at the beginning of our engagement um get really clear on you know that, that again that stuff what emotion do we need people to feel what are our core pillars what are we what are we trying to achieve get really clear on all of those boring things and then again going back to that that sphere of um kind of our tagline do the thing that lights your heart on fire and we always joke you know that's why we're not an accounting company hate finance um a lot of people are coming to us because they don't understand social or they don't want to think about it or it's just another thing on the list and so we say look if that doesn't light your heart on fire that's fine we'll take care of everything we do that discovery session then we will ideate the content we'll do the posts we'll write the copy we'll design the picture of the video all you have to do is once a month we'll send you a content calendar and you just go through and make sure it's factually correct. Change, right. change anything you don't really like or whatever and then we'll do all the posting. If we've got money spe- to spend behind it, we'll manage all of the ads. We'll take all of that stuff off your plate so you can go back to doing the thing that really excites you, which is building your business yeah. or 
talking to your community or whatever it is. Um, some cases, some of our clients have a lot of content themselves and we're just repurposing and reusing and making new versions. Um, but most of the time they're coming to us going, we, just, we don't even know where to start or we don't want to do it. Mm. Can you just do everything? Yeah. When did you start Agency X? Just shy of two years ago, I think. Okay. Yeah. So during the crazy COVID time? It was. It was, I got, I was freelancing at the time, but I got my very first client the day of lockdown. I walked <laughs> into their office, um, did a 60-minute sort of session of like, this is why, what we want you to do, and then went home, picked up my stuff and moved in with a friend. And <laughs> it was all good. And then I picked up, I think, at least 50% of my current clients that we work with all came from that COVID period. Wow. Yeah. Everyone wanted to go digital. Everyone yeah. wanted to go online. And, and um, unless you had people on the team who knew exactly what to do, mm. it was easier for them to just go, we'll just, we'll just bring somebody else in. What do you love most about it? That this sort of whole digital space? Um, I, I, I find people very interesting. I do a lot of people watching and people listening. And I think... Um, Social or digital, 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 digitifying. I don't know how you say it. Digitalifying uh, relationships really interests me. Yep. You know, people taking things out of context because the way I read is very different to the way mm. you might read. Mm. The way I write might be very different to the way you write. When we're in person, I can see right now. You, you know, you've got your hands crossed. You're probably going, "Hurry up, Matt!" And <laughs> you know, I can see if you're checking the clock, going, oh, "I want to get out of here," or I can see if you're distracted. I'm not. I'm honestly not. <laughs> but. Online, I can't do any of that. Yeah. I can only take it at face value. And so, um, you know, I spend, I try to spend at least 20 minutes a day in my, in my evening scrolling on LinkedIn or whatever it is just to get an insight into how people are connecting with each other. Mm. And, you know, it's really interesting. Again, it's very easy to go, I know you don't actually like that person, <laughs> but you're commenting on their thing going, oh, I'm so proud of you. Da, da, da. And it, but it's so easy to do yeah, in the yeah, digital yeah. landscape. So, Or you feel compelled to as well. There's that element of you kind of feel you have to just to, for your own brand almost. Yeah. yeah. The, the biggest one when I talk to um, people my age is, you know, somebody follows you. I have this instant need to follow them back. Right. Whereas I'm like, but in real life, you'd probably never talk to them. So why do you feel the need to follow their digital diary, essentially? Yeah, I've actually had that debate with my own children. Because on Instagram, they've commented, I don't follow people back. I was like, well, I'm only following people I genuinely are interested in tracking their journey. I've got enough digital in my life, but they're welcome to follow mine. Totally. Yeah. And it's really interesting. My biggest, um, just as kind of a divert, my, my biggest piece of advice to people my age particularly, but of any age, is understand the polarity that happens on digital and mm. social and that it's very easy to fall into the trap of conscious, unconscious bias, right? Yeah. That you're seeing the stuff you're seeing because that's the only stuff you're looking at, right? So I've kind of taken the complete opposite effect where I've got secret accounts all over the place just because why not? You know, got to do a little bit of checking. But, um, you know, with some of those, I've purposely built them to be the complete opposite to how I think and feel right? for that sole purpose of sometimes I need that counteract, kind of go, is what I'm thinking right? Is that correct? And and by doing that, it's, it enables my in-person relationships to build so much stronger because I'm recognizing that there is two complete sides to the, to the spectrum. Mm. Whereas when I'm only focusing on the one, that I'm assuming everybody's like that because that's all I'm seeing. Do you know what I mean? So I'm not widening that landscape wide enough to go, actually, there is people on the other side of the field and just because I don't agree with them doesn't mean they're wrong. Yeah. So... I used to teach a group of teenagers, and I won't name the area because I'll get them in trouble, but they 
went on the local community page. You know how every suburb has a community page and people engage. And as a bit of a social experiment, they created three characters of three very different ages and ethnic groups. And who would... It was actually their name spelt backwards, and they joined these community pages, and they had profile Very pictures creative. from people out in America. And but what they were fascinated was is when a topic came up of discussion, say fireworks, and who's letting them off at the wrong time of the year, and there was conversations around, well, it's Diwali, etc. And these three different characters would then comment, and then they'd watch the feedback. Mm. And interesting, it was the eighty-year-old lady character. They got the most sort of abuse and backlash, and they were fascinated mm. just following how a community then engages. Yeah, yeah, it, it is. It, it is very interesting. And whenever I kind of advise people around this sort of stuff, yeah, building that community and engagement mm. with your own community is always start in others that are pre-built for you, right? Like if you're trying to build a community, so so a good example mm. was um, and to tie back into property. We've worked with, with a few. Buff and Thompson branches, mm, and yeah. we've worked with lots of companies that are kind of similarish spheres, not in property, but similar types of, of models. And the thing we always say to them is like, before we even try and build our community, let's engage in the one that already exists around you, which is your local community groups yep. or all of these sorts of things. Go and be known there first before you even think about anything yeah. else, because otherwise you're trying to build from the ground up, and it, yeah. that's a very hard hard slog if you've got no budget. And yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely. It's about getting trusted in the space too, isn't it? Or trusted as an expert or someone who does comment. Yeah, yeah. You mentioned LinkedIn before. Mm. I mean, very much when that came out, it was the business version of Facebook, and no one would dare post anything personal. It was very much very when you different to now. talk business, isn't it? Very. Different. All of a sudden, I'm watching all the birthday greetings and things come up and going a little bit. Disappointed, almost. Oh, this was that space. I didn't need that. Well, it's it, it's funny going back to that people. Or am watching, I just a grumpy old man? No, no, <laughs> no, no, no. Going back to that people watching piece, they've almost role swapped. Right. So I'm finding on like again, this could be due to that unconscious bias of the people I'm connected with or whatever. But I'm seeing LinkedIn now as more where people are being vulnerable and sharing because I think there's an assumption that it, that helps their professional career by showing right. that they are human right. rather than I'm a robot. Yeah. And then I'm seeing more and more on Facebook that people are sharing less and less personal about their life because they've just accepted from requests from everybody. They don't actually yeah, know who's yeah, there. Yeah. And that's becoming more a space where it's just, oh, I'm just using it as a messenger. Yeah. Like, I know a lot of people my age, um, in my friend group particularly, um, actually funny, before I came here, I looked at um, looked at it and the, the people in my friend group, nobody's posted on their Facebook wall other than me for the last like nine months. They wow. only use it so they have the messenger account yeah. so they can talk to people because... Wow this easiest way so um yeah i think so are they on instagram or are they not on social they're not posting um i mean i've probably got a unique friend group where most of us aren't super engaged on social because most of us work in that space and so right, we, yeah, when we yeah, get to the end of the day, yeah. we're like, the last thing I want to do is be stuck <laughs> on my work stool. Someone's got to pull out the New Zealand Herald from the letterbox, Matt. So yeah. you're keeping them in business. Exactly. I mean, I tell you the amount of <laughs> notifications I get on my phone from all the different brands. Oh, I and, oh, Sometimes I it's like just leave me Overload. Yeah. 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 Now, you mentioned robots. So, you know, here's the question, chat GPT. Mm. How are you finding that creeping into your world and your space? Not at all. No. No. So I think it's immensely valuable. Yeah. Right. We use it. I use it a lot when I'm doing a lot of work as um, as a resource. I think where people run into issues is they use it as the be all end all, mm. and they go, "Oh, just pumping my thing, copy Without paste, done, checking it and trusting it." Yeah, which, which yeah. doesn't work. No, I use it as a model. So I, my days are really weird. I start super early in the morning. Right, I'm at my desk by quarter past four ish in the morning. Dear God. 
and I get my most work done between that sort of four o'clock and nine thirty. Yes, no one's replying. To exactly you. before <laughs> all my clients get online and start emailing me. But that four hours, while I can get a lot of work done, sometimes it takes a while to get the gear started. Mm. So if I'm doing a whole lot of writing projects or whatever it is, I'll start with ChatGPT because it gives me the ability to start uh, theorizing what I'm trying to do. Right? I've, I've now got to explain what I want to somebody who has no context at all. Mm. You got to do that. You got to do that. Da 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 da. And then they'll give me a, the answer or whatever, and I go, "Great, that's not how I would write it." But now I've got my framework to work within. I kind of like that part, and I kind of like that part, and I kind of like that ending. Now I'll just fill in all the edges. And once I do that, nice. then it gets to a yeah. point where I'm like, okay, I can present this because the other thing that you'll find is with ChatGPT or Bard or any other AI software, nothing will ever reply, well, I shouldn't say ever, but nothing will replace that human emotion and human vulnerability. A piece of technology can never tell your story better than you can tell your own story. Mm. It's just mm. not possible. Mm. It just doesn't know enough. Mm. Um so this, I don't think it will ever replace what I do. It, will, it can tidy it up. But it will tidy it up mm. and it will be a, a very valuable resource for us um, and for anybody. Um, my, my friendly tip on that is always whenever you finish writing something, before you press enter to ChatGPT, is always ask, do you have any questions to get better context? Or please ask me five questions before you give me an answer, at least, for better context. Then it will ask you questions that you maybe haven't even thought of. Wow. Which will help frame the context wow. so that it has... Okay. You know, I do it all the time. The question's always coming back, like, what is, you know, what tone are you looking for? Or who's the right person? Or can you answer this for me? Or whatever. Just gives it a little bit more context to make sure it's as close to what you would write as possible. So wow. always ask that. that that's Never kind of friendly of that. to... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Interesting. All right. Now... Complete change here, but it was the th- it was the thing that actually caught my eye to ask you to come on here, and that is about your neurodiversity in education coalition. I thought you were going to say my smile. Oh, Ab, look, always. <laughs> but you were smiling big in these photos, and you were very proud of sort of the backstory behind this. So, explain to our listeners what is this NIE coalition, and how have you got involved? Yeah, so the NIE Coalition stands for the Neurodiversity in Education Coalition, um, which is a coalition of organisations in New Zealand. The um, New Zealand Centre for Gifted Education, uh, Autism New Zealand, ADHD New Zealand, and the Dyslexia Foundation. So the four main, Brilliant. the four major neurodiversities that we see in New Zealand. Um, obviously, there's hundreds more variations, but those are sort of the big four and. Um, The New Zealand Centre for Gifted Education and the CE there, Justine and I, have become very good friends and, um, funnily enough, they're actually one of our clients that we work with. Um, And it was late last year that we were sitting around a room and sort of figuring out what what comes next for us, what's our next big social campaign or how do we get more people involved in this neurodiversity space and demystify it and education and all these big things. And I sort of said to her, I said, if we want to do this right... We have to stop pretending that we know everything. Mm. Let's get the young people that are living these experiences in the room and let them tell us what comes next. So what we did was we then, and, and Justine and True Justine Vashon went, let's do it, and, we, and just full balls to the wall. Um, and she, she and I formed this kind of idea called what we call the Young Neurodiversity Champions, which is what it started with. So coming into the new year, we did all our applications and such and ended up with 15 incredible young people from around New Zealand. Um, and when I say incredible, like that is an understatement. These kids are phenomenal. 
Um, and they're our young neurodiversity champions. They are the champions from the front line of what it's like to be young, neurodiverse, in an education system that is not built for them, mm. um, who are out there advocating for real change. What we then did on the side of that is when I reached out to all those different organisations and was like, hey, can you support us finding these young neurodiversity champions? We want representation from all levels. Can you help us share the word? And then just then I got chatting again another day and went, imagine how much more impactful what we could like what we're doing, imagine how much more impactful it could be if these organisations came together under one mm, umbrella and mm. when we're all trying to do similar things, right? We've all got different nuances, but we're all looking for, you know, more awareness, better education, better funding, better support, institutional recognition, all these things. But rather than us having four different open letters to government and four different select committee meetings and all these things, why not just do it all together? We yeah. represent the vast majority. We're all extremely passionate about the work we're doing so we went back out to all the the ceos and they all went why not let's do it um and then it sort of evolved from there and yeah we've been going officially started pretty much this year um and in the last six months we have um we've got an open letter to parliament at the moment which is receiving hundreds of signatures and it's only been live like a week um we've officially launched our white paper so we've got a, a full white paper released which shares the challenges, the obstacles, where we've gone wrong, what's working, what's not, as well as sort of our three-point plan to the government to say, here's how we fix this. And did you take that down to Parliament? We did. Yeah. So we, we took our champions down cool. to Parliament in March um, where we were in the beehive and had the big sort of hurrah and they met politicians and kind of shared their voice and such nice. and then said, watch the space. And then a couple of weeks ago, we were back in Wellington um, to officially launch the white paper. All those MPs turned up again, community leaders, Ministry of Education, to all hear this this real story and read this white paper, which has been received incredibly well. Um, and then off the back of it, took took the um, young champions to Festival for the Future to sort of get involved with um, like minds. We like to call it sort of like minds, right? People that think like you, feel like you. Um, yeah, representation, right? You can't you can't be something yeah, without yeah, seeing yeah. somebody else doing that. So that is so cool. I was going to ask you what sparked you to do this, but you've said it three times now. Do the things that light your heart on fire. I think I've answered my own question. This is something that lights your heart on fire. It does. Yeah, it does. For you mentioned in one of your Facebook posts that you wanted, you know, when you started your entrepreneurial journey, you wanted to make sure that there was some heart in that world as well does that sort of link in yes exactly for me it's if I can't wake up in the morning on a Sunday you know and have turned all my friends away from going out drinking the night before because I really want to get up and do that work if that if if that's sort of my life I'm in a good spot right and if 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 I'm waking up on Sunday hungover and I don't want to touch anything and Monday comes around I you know take the day sick because I really don't want to go to work that's where I find me as a person anyway starts to mm. suffer and that, mm. that's really hard for me. So it's always been about generating that impact and particularly with young people. I was very, very fortunate at a young age to have a really incredible support group around me of um, other young people and leaders within the community who saw something. Don't know what they saw, but still trying to find it. But they they saw something and, and, and threw everything they could behind that. And I, I, I guess for me it's just paying it forward and, and doing what was very luckily and fortunately happened to me. So. Where do you hope it will go for the NIE coalition? Yeah, big dream is um, government recognition and right. gov- government support. 
So there's a three-point plan. The, the first is building more awareness and education around neurodiversity in New Zealand. People just don't understand it. But the shocking fact is, you know, one in five Kiwis are neurodiverse and majority of those that are neurodiverse will have two or more neurodiversities. Right. It's very rare to kind of find one. Um, so first point is building an awareness campaign that, that's run nationally to educate and make people aware. Um, the second is for them to follow through on a promise that they, that they actually committed to a while ago, which was support staff and, and learning educators mm. and people in mm. schools that are specifically there to support learners beyond just what a teacher does. Yep. Yep. That was promised. That's been promised for decades, and it's never been rolled out properly. So we're asking them to actually commit to that and provide the funding needed to actually roll that out. Um, and then the third one is to fund programs that work. Um, sorry, going back on that second one. Sorry, the other one was um, a, a learning learning action support plan. I can't remember the exact name of it, but it's basically an action plan that every school must have. Uh, in order to receive specific funding from the government that recognises that they have a plan for their neurodiverse right, learners. Right. Interesting stat there is uh, universities in New Zealand must have a disability support plan, which neurodiversity is considered under that, in order to get funding from the government. Okay. Schools don't. Mm. They aren't required to mm. have that, which makes no sense because we're saying let's not support them all the way through high school, but once they get to uni, they'll be looked after, but we know that they're not making it to uni because yeah, they're uh, yeah. disengaging or dropping imagine, out. Yeah, imagine... What, what or who they could be by the time exactly. they get to uni if they've had that support from primary school age. Exactly. And then the third one mm. is to scale up programs that work. You know, um, gifted New Zealand Centre for Gifted Education has a great program called Mind Plus. Um, I, I believe, and, and I wouldn't quote me on this, but I believe for like a, a one-off piece of, piece of funding, I think it's like $10 million or something, that program will fund itself forever. We never mm. have to fund that again. It will always right. roll out, and we will be able to support every gifted learner. So at least 10,000 kids across the country, 500 schools across the country, will get the support they need. Um, ADHD New Zealand has programs. Autism New Zealand has programs. Dyslexia Foundation has programs that have proven results that show that it makes a real difference on these young people. We're asking the government to support those. Um, well, they're very lucky to have you as a champion behind them, but I can tell from your reactions that it brings you joy as well. It does. It, it's something I'm very passionate about. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Now, before we came on here, we talked a little bit about the property space. Yes. You know, because this is somewhere, you know, you're working in it with your clients and obviously a fair bit of our listeners are, are lovers of property or selling property. Um, as a young person, where do you think young people sit in their 20s when it comes to purchasing property or property knowledge, you know, tenants knowledge, that sort of thing. Have we got that space right yet? Yeah. Um, I'll touch on the purchasing of property first. Uh, I, I won't speak for everyone my age, but for me in particular and a, a vast majority of the people in my network at my age, and this is going to shock people probably, <laughs> but have no desire to own a home. You know, like I have pretty much zero desire to own a home at least for the next 10 years. Yeah. For is that because you're putting lots of your money and resources and time into your business, though? Yeah, well, it's so, for two reasons. One, um, I view it as a liability in the sense that I want to travel. I've still got right, unfinished yep. business around the world. I haven't yep. done the big OE. Yeah, I didn't good, go good. and do that. And the thought of having a million-dollar thing mm. here that I can't mm. use or enjoy or whatever while I'm traveling, I may as well wait. Yep. And then, yeah, secondly is... I've got so many other projects that I want to fund and I'm a big believer in sponsoring good projects and working with community groups and virtually every last dollar that I have goes back out to give to people to, to support new projects and new ideas and so saving for that ever-growing deposit just doesn't mm. seem achievable. Mm. So mm. 
I've kind of taken that that lens as well that I'm like that'll be something I worry about in my 30s yeah um for now my 20s is enjoy me invest in me every dollar goes back into investing in yep. me so I can do better and be better yep and that um, is a, a good investment to have yep. yeah and then when it comes to knowledge like um we, we were talking off air that you know I had a friend call me the other day and went oh hey I know you've kind of played in the space but is my landlord allowed to just like walk <laughs> in through the house because I've just been left a note saying that they were here had no idea that that's you know super wrong they were just like oh that's okay right like there's no issues um you know not understanding the rules around and another friend called me uh, a few months ago going hey um what do i do i've got black mold growing on my roof of my bedroom and and sent me photos and it was a huge patch of mold um that the landlord was just like oh well, you can move out if you want like just just no accountability. Crazy. So how do, how do we use the the platforms that we've talked about this show? You know to to get that information. Yeah, I, th- to, I think to the twenty somethings. Yeah, I think the issue is people don't know what they don't know. Mm. Um, if you're looking for the younger audience, go where they are. They sit on Instagram and TikTok. Yep, that's what yep. they use. And 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 think back to when you were twenty, and it's how did you know? How do you, how do you identify a problem without knowing it's a problem? Mm. Um. And go, go back to the basics. Be raw, be vulnerable, share those really important stats. Don't gatekeep any of mm. that stuff. Go out and, you know, and you might feel odd about it because you might go, well, you know, we're, we're a landlord, so we probably should be careful about what we say around the rules. And be totally transparent and honest. People love that. Mm. Um, get out there, share that knowledge more in, in, in quick and easy to digest ways. Don't go out and tell them, here's the law and it's going to take me 10 minutes to read you this whole passage yeah. from what the past. Just tell me what I need to know. Landlords yeah. can't do this. Landlords can do this. If this happens, do this. Mm. Be very simple. And create a good forum where they can ask questions. Exactly. Build that community. Mm. Think again about that emotion. When people first discover this stuff, they're probably going to be surprised, apprehensive, da-da-da. Figure out what those emotional mm. triggers are that are going to happen and make sure your content is being tailored around those. Yeah, Matt, you're 24. How did you... <laughs> I really feel like I'm sitting across somebody who's, you know, had decades of life experience. What do you put it down to that you've become so knowledgeable so quick? Um, two things. A mixture of hard work and luck. Mm. And and I say that because luck, because I was very, very lucky to have been seen. I use the word seen. I was seen by a lot of my teachers and community around me as somebody who could do something. And so they poured a lot of time and energy into me, and I'm forever grateful to those people, and they know who they are, and they were the ones who really gave me that kickstart. Nice. And then I say hardworking. You know, my mother is one of the most hardworking people I know and instilled into all of us such an incredible work ethic that it's not uncommon for me to do 90, 100-hour weeks. Yeah. And that's okay. It's just sometimes you've got to do it, right? So... Brilliant. Look, we've run out of time. I could talk to you all night. You're going to have to come back. Do the things that light your heart on fire. I love it. That's our takeaway from today. How can people very quickly get in touch with you or find out more about your NIE coalition? Yeah, um, agencyx.co.nz, matt at agencyx.co.nz, or jump online and look me up on socials. Brilliant, brilliant. Matt, thank you so much for coming in and sharing your wisdom and your heart with us. Matt does lots of our social media work, so you can check it out, of course, on Property Matters Radio on Facebook. We need to get that TikTok happening. Yeah, maybe one day. Have a fabulous week, everyone. We'll catch you next week on Property Matters. Remember, you can email us anytime at propertymatters at barfoot.co.nz. And thanks to Barfoot and Thompson for their continued support. Have a fabulous week. Catch you next week.